Hey there, and welcome back to Rival Reviews. Um, so this week, I know last week we kind of talked about my favorite uh, animes. Um, so this week, I thought that I would uh, now take the opportunity to talk about my what I consider to be my top ten favorite mangas. Um, the one thing that I did notice, and I believe that I have brought this up in past episodes, is that I find in manga I put more importance on story relationships, everything else like that versus like action oriented ones. Um, and uh, full disclosure, I also um, tried to stick to just mangas because I felt that mom was um, deserved their own episode, probably somewhere down the line. Um, I don't think it'll be next because I kind of already have plans for next week, um, but we'll get into that later. Uh, so without further ado, uh, let's start this list. So like I said, I do think, and what I noticed when I was putting this list together, is that it is very more kind of shoujo-esque romance kind of orientated, more so than, like I said, where you probably noticed in my manga, um, my top 10 manga, they're more action-focused and world-building-focused and everything else, where I find in manga I want to just kind of enjoy and read a cute story. Um, and I think that will become more apparent as this uh, list goes on. Um, so at number 10, I put Senryu Shoujo. Um, so essentially what this one is about is about a... Um, it's kind of like a high school romance type of feely type of one. Um, only the, the big difference that I found in this one is, uh, like the title suggests, um, the main character only talks in Senryu, which is, um, to my understanding and from what I've looked up and I, it totally makes sense to the manga as well. And of course you can argue about translations and how they're done all day. Uh, but it looks as if Senryu is essentially the Japanese version of Haiku, I do know that there are some differences in terms of, like, you know, one is more about nature while the one is about the humanity, and that's how you could differentiate them, blah, 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 blah. I don't really care, um, but it was essentially, um, again, not to spoil anything, but there were reasons as to why she has to uh, talk in this manner, and um, the male lead, you know, uh, is at first like a delinquent and then they kind of realize that they need each other and then they accept each other for who they are. And it's just, it's just heartwarming. Um, but yeah, so it's, uh, in, in my opinion, I would just say it's a very unique and delightful take on like a high school romance genre because it's, uh, it's a little bit different instead of the whole, like, you know, you, you're focusing on the whole, I guess trope of like misunderstandings or love rivals and uh you know the the poly the triangles and yeah it doesn't have really any of that it's more so um uh, putting the importance of you know though they have different ways of communicating they still can communicate um and in some ways they can communicate better than people that can just speak normally um, which I find kind of segues really nice into number nine, which, uh, the number nine spot is a sign of affection. 
Um, as some listeners probably know, the anime adaptation is currently out on Crunchyroll right now and is currently playing weekly. Um, I'm caught up with the manga on this one, um, which is kind of hurtful more than anything else because it's, you know, once you get to the monthly release, you kind of just want to slowly kill yourself because you're just waiting for the story to move on and you find that, you know, the chapters are getting shorter and shorter. But anyway, um, so again, kind of going back to why I liked uh, Senryu uh, Shoujo so much is that this one, I think, does a really good job at focusing on, though they can't communicate in the traditional sense, they can not even communicate the same way some could argue that they communicate in a more, I guess, uh, passionate kind of way. Um, so a sign of affection, kind of like the, the name, uh, suggests is the main character. She's deaf and the male lead who's kind of like this traveled experienced, like, you know, has experienced probably too much for somebody that is just only just in college. Um, you know, kind of had a rough bringing up everything else like that. Um, finds new interest in the world that she needs to live because of her, um, you know, hearing impairment and kind of like the hardships that come with that. But also, in a sense, it's like, you know, it's heartwarming, and I find that it's, like, a realistic portrayal of love in regards to, like, you know, like I said, not playing to those really niche um, kind of archetypes that I find a lot of the romances um, try to staple on. Um, and yeah, I just, like I said, I, I think that it really puts a good... Um, like a good focus on communication and like overcoming obstacles of everyday life that comes with having that hearing impairment and how they kind of live with that. Um, yeah. So that's what I would say about that. Number eight, I kind of go, uh, we're kind of veering off from the kind of, uh, I guess feeling that the other two had, uh, it's called the ideal sponger life. I know that I was actually, uh, in the middle of reading this in one of the episodes and now I've caught up. Um, what I find fun about this one is is that this, though I would still call it a romance one, I find that it's not as niche because it's kind of like an isekai meets romance meets comedy meets, like, the fantasy aspect of it. Um, I know that in genre specific, I think this is actually called a fantasy comedy. Uh, but essentially what it is that, like, uh, all of a sudden he gets warped into this world and is basically asked to marry the queen. Um, <laughs> and that's all that's asked of him because essentially the queen is being forced to marry, but still wants to rule. So basically essentially she wants to find herself a husband. That'll just be that will basically just be a husband, you know, won't, fight her on her politics, won't fight her on her, the way she rules, anything else like that. Hence why it's called the ideal sponger life, because essentially he just gets to live the king's life without really having to do anything. Um, obviously, later in the thing, he becomes more trusted and wants to have a more active kind of 
I guess, uh, role in the way the politics work and everything else like that, but it's still very focused in the sense that, you know, he, he's living his ideal Sponger life, hence the title. Um, it's a fun read, and like I said, what I find interesting is not one of those, like, isekais where, you know, he got summoned because he needs to go fight the Demon King or whatever else. He's literally been summoned to essentially be a trophy husband. Um, and it's just, it's a very, uh, interesting, I think, turn, um, on the Isika genre. It's, it's, it's very unique in that sense, in my opinion. Um, okay. So number seven, uh, the fragrant flower blooms with dignity. I have a hard time putting, I had a really hard time trying to write down my thoughts as to why this deserved number seven and why this was number 10 and what made it different from other um, mangas uh, in this genre. Um, in the traditional sense, I would definitely say that this is definitely more traditional to the uh, romance trope. Um, I think what I find the most appealing about this title is that it's very realistic, and it's also, like, you feel for the characters, and, like, you actually you you grow with their stories and the weird like connotation so essentially without giving anything too much away they're from a the boy the the the, the male lead is um in a school that is notorious i guess for delinquents and right across from them is a school is is an uh, so and again also like an old all boys school and the female lead is from an all-girls school where they're basically taught to stay clear of the male lead school. Um, and basically told that they're bas- essentially beneath them um, in the hierarchy of things, which is just messed up in its own way. Um, so it kind of has like that, re- like almost like, not forbidden love, but like, it kind of starts that way and then it like slowly brings in his friends and how they feel about the situation and her friends and how they feel about the situation and how the, you know, kind of the whole idea of them being split in this weird, it's not so much that it's a school of delinquents. It's just for the fact that, you know, because so basically like this, it also kind of highlights the whole, you know, difference in like, uh, schooling because like in the Japanese system or whatever else to get into certain schools, you actually have to take a test to get into said high school. Um, theirs obviously had like a lower, um, mark. So that's why it kind of gets its bad rep, I guess, where the one that she's from has more of like a higher, um, I guess, pole like bar set. Um, and yeah, so it kind of like brings like those real life things. And then also like it also, but it also has like the, the male lead, kind of um looks scary like he's like he's tall you know he has dyed blonde hair piercings and he looks kind of like hardcore but like he's actually like real soft guy that works at his parents bakery baking cakes and that's like his favorite thing to do um and it's kind of like also like the whole you know don't judge a book by its cover and everything else, and yeah, it's just, it's a really sweet read, um, so that's why I put it on the list, and I felt that it was here. 
So number number six, I put sense coupling. Now, if anybody has seen or read Susie or Children, I find that it's very kind of similar to this where you have. Or if I wanted to use like a real life example, if you've ever seen something like a like a Love Actually or a New Year's Day or anything like that, where they have like all of these like separate stories that then come into and sometimes they they cross and sometimes they don't or have anything to do with each other um but like you get a sense of like an overarching story um so this one what i found interesting is that this one kind of focused more on the idea of true true soulmates um in the sense that like every single one of the couples that you have seen were together in a past life and they have re-found each other in modern day. Um, and whether they're like, you know, they ha- they all have like different uh, ways of finding each other. Like some, is, some are like, you know, our childhood friends and they found them right away. Some are meet later in life. and But no matter what, there's always that idea of like they were meant and bound to find each other. Which is just, you know, sweet in my opinion. Um and it kind of like in my mind it it kind of almost like a sent like the the weird i think the weirdest part about this one is that they start like um uh like sharing dreams and stuff like that and it's just it's it's a fascinating exploration of the connection between individuals on like a profound level and i just found it sweet because you know you do the whole like you know oh you're my soulmate and everything else like that but this story is like you know they were like a warrior princess like in the medieval everything else and now they're in modern day and they're in love again and it just it's it's sweet (laughs) that's that's really all i can put it's really all i can say about it um number five i put Horimiya. Um, so again, this kind of goes back towards the traditional high school um, romance trope. The one thing that I say that does it really well is that it 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 stamps on the idea of like just because you know somebody in like maybe well in this case it's more of like a, a school aspect. Like you could also know so one somebody maybe in like a professional aspect, and that's not necessarily who they are outside of that location, if that makes sense. Um I find that this one does a really good job in the sense that, you know, the like the female lead, for instance, like, you know, she's popular to the point, very sweet, everything else, but at home because she has to kind of be the mom and everything else like that. She's disheveled. She's tired. She doesn't come off as this perfect person. She's in sweats, you know, around the house and everything else like that. And she's trying to like maintain this image. Um, so that's why when the, when the male lead meets her and then she discovers that the male lead is completely different looking. Cause like outside he has all of his piercings, which aren't allowed in schools there. And he's tattooed all over and everything else like that. But in the school, he hides that all underneath like his um uniform and stuff like that. So then when she finally learns that, you know, this guy that looks completely different is actually her classmate, it's the whole like concern of, oh no, everybody at school's gonna find out about how I am outside of school, and that's kind of how their 
relationship starts. Um, and what I like about this one too is that this is the fir- one of the first ones that I read that I found put a really big importance on the relationships between the side characters as well. Um, because sometimes, you know, we get these characters introduced as, uh, to us from the side and like all they are, are like, you know, the male's male leads best friend or the female leads best friend. And that's kind of like it where this one, like, you know, once kind of like the male lead and the female lead, their story is kind of concrete it actually then moves on and like kind of side pans to these side characters and what they're doing and what they're having to live through. And it's just, I don't know. I found that it was, it was interesting enough to obviously give it the number five spot on my, on my list. Uh, so number four, I gave it to Fuka. Um, I know that I've talked about this one in the past and I know that I've talked about my love for CEO Koji's work just because I find that he does relationships and, romance and everything else in a very like realistic way and i find that he he definitely does it in the lens of like a male reader versus a female reader which i can also appreciate because like i've said before you know men can like the romance trope too um and i think that is definitely something that he focuses on in his work um which i can appreciate and what i like about this one too is that um this one kind of revolves around the world of music which is really cool and like the complexities of the relationships between the band members and how hard it is to actually make it in that kind of world and everything else like that um and like i said i think i think that it's just it's fun it's very it's very fun the way um if you haven't read a seo koji work like it doesn't have to be fuka you can read suzuki you can we read from the town we all know uh even cafe terrace hitman like he does romance so well that honestly i could probably just make a list with all them but i didn't want to make a whole list of a whole bunch of his works so i just added my favorite um this one can make you laugh can make you cry has those ah moments those moments that can actually make you mad and I find that Fuka was one of those ones where when I was reading it, I had a very hard time putting it down to do things like, you know, sleep. <laughs> I know that sounds funny, but it was very much one of those ones that I had a very hard time putting down once I had started. Um, which is why I gave it number four. Um, number three, I got to give it to Fruits Basket. This is one of those ones, and I've, I know I've talked about it in the past, Um but it's it's just a crazy masterpiece and the perfect blend of like romance meets drama touches with like a little bit of fantasy in there as well um like i said what i find with this one does really well is that obviously it has that aspect of like the zodiac animals and um it, <sighs> It's, it's, I, I'm obviously trying not to spoil things. It, it is an older one, so I feel like if you do get spoiled at this point, it's more your fault than it is my fault. Um, but essentially, it takes on the 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 idea of you know the old story about how the the zodiac animals came to be, um, and then if anybody knows, like basically the curse of the cat and why it isn't uh, part of the zodiac. Um, I would ov- honestly do yourself a service and just 
read that story. It'll take you like, you know, a minute to read it. And once you read that story, you come to understand why the character of of who the the cat zodiac is and why it's a I guess a curse is the best way that I can put it. Um and how this affects the family and the family dynamic. Like it's como it's almost kind of like a royalty without them actually being royalty. Um which I did find interesting. And like I said, if if you are looking for a romance but you're not entirely sure that you would be really into just a full romance story, I find that this one does a good job of you know, it has the romance, it has a, a, a really good dramatic story, so you get hooked on the story, not just the romance between the characters. Um, and it's also very interesting um, to follow, like, the fantasy aspect in the story, in my opinion. Because it it it's not just in-your-face romance the whole time. It's also, like, almost kind of like a mystery in the sense, too, because you're trying, you're getting little bits of information about how the whole family curse works and how it came to be and why the family members are the way that they are and everything like that. And I think what I find honestly the funniest is that like, you know, there are certain animals like, you know, like as we know, dragon is part of the Zodiac and I don't want to spoil anything, but it's not an actual dragon, but the way that they turned the dragon into a different animal that's all I gotta say. That's probably one of my all-time favorite funny things that I've ever read in a in a manga, um, and I'll just I'll just leave that as a little teaser. Um, so number two, I gave it to Relife. Um, now this one, I feel like struck a certain chord for me because it 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 takes that classic question of would you if you could go back, what would you change? And it takes that in a very real sense. So essentially what it is, is that it's so this guy, the male, the the main character basically just lost his job. He's kind of lost at what to do. Um, You know, he doesn't have any friends. He feels alone. So somebody comes up to him and basically is like, Hey, if, if you could go back, you know, to high school, to get a good start, to go to a good school, everything else like that, would you take it? And, you know, like, in an obvious manner, he goes, well, especially because of where I am now in life, of course. And, you know, he takes this uh, drug or whatever. Basically, it's a pill that makes him go back to look the way that he did when he was in high school. And the whole point of Relife is that Relife is an actual, like, I guess, company that does this for people where they can go back to a certain point in life and uh, relive and basically get a new start, um, so to speak. And I think it just does a really good job at answering that question because I think we've all thought it, right? Like, if you could go back, would you? And if you did, what what would you do differently? And it does a really good job focusing on that Um, and, like, what the male lead does. And then the hard part is, is that you know, once the experiment is over, you know, he goes back and basically is able to get a company job with the new schooling that he would have and stuff like that. And, 
you know, he has to make sure that, like, you know, because the, the other big thing is that, like, he has to keep this whole experiment thing a secret, so he can't tell anybody about it, because if he does, that's, like, automatic, like, we're done, you go back to the way you were, um, type of thing, and, um, so him having to do this, but then also regulate, you know, normal high school things again, but with the mentality of an adult, it's very interesting, and like I said, if you have ever sat with yourself and your thoughts and gone, would I have gone back and what would I have done differently? I feel like this manga would hit home for you. Um, And for number one, I have Love Soul Life. Now, I've talked about this one in the past, and I think I've also talked about the reasonings behind it, but I truly believe that especially if you are a parent, this really hits home for you. It's 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 adorable. Uh, family values are crazy, and basically it starts out with a daycare worker essentially becoming like a surrogate mother for these twins that don't have a mom and don't have like a permanent uh, father figure. Um, and I think, especially because when I first read this, I had just become a dad, it, it really hit a heartstring and it it's it's cute it's adorable but then it it also then focuses on those like family aspects and like how important they are um and i just find that it's a really endearing story and it offers like a really refreshing take on love and family and and the importance of it and i think especially this was like the perfect manga for the time when I read it. I, I am also seriously considering rereading it to see if it, if it makes me feel the same way that it did when I first read it. Um, but if you like reading about families and relationships, and if you also want to see pictures of adorable children, because the twins in this are stupid cute. And if you just want like, something to read that you feel like you're going to have a smile on your face the whole time when you read it, this is what I would recommend. And that's kind of all what I had for this week. Um, I hope that guys that gives you guys some, you know, reading material. Um, and I tried my best to kind of, I know that there wasn't really a lot of action in there. Like I had stipulated beforehand, I like to read about relationships and good stories and heartfelt stuff versus reading about action, really. I find that I get more out of that from Manwas if I am going to read it. Um, but yeah, um, what, what are your thoughts on my list? Have you read any of these? Um, if not, do you feel like you might? And, you know, if you do, I would love to hear from you guys. Um, next week, I think what I'm going to be doing is that we're going to be getting to the halfway point of this season's anime. Um, so I'm going to make sure that I'm caught up on everything and kind of give my thoughts on the halfway point of the season and how we are doing with that. Um, but yeah, so like I said, um, if you could leave a review, reviews are great. It, it, um, you know, share the podcast. It's, I would love to get more listeners and hopefully get some more questions and comments from everybody who likes to listen. Um... Because, like I said, at the end of the day, that's kind of what I'm doing this for. Um, so, yeah. So, I guess I'll uh, see you in the next one. Bye-bye.